0: Finally getting to these verses, after the long introduction about prayer that I gave last week, we are finally going into the depth of these verses. So this week, um, as I was, um, was it Thursday or something? As I was like going up the stairs to to my room to work, I heard a voice in my head that says, Do not be a Sunday Christian! I go, what? It says, do not be a Sunday Christian. I go, what does that mean? I don't think I'm a Sunday Christian. And I think what that voice is telling me, whether it is from my mind or from the Lord, I do not know. The warning against being a Sunday Christian is this. The warning against, don't, do not just merely be a Sunday Christian. I think it means, do not be a lifeless Christian. Do not be a dormant Christian. Do not be an ineffective Christian. Do not be a powerless, weak, nothing Christian. It is very important for us to understand that when God saves us, when God makes us his... When we are the children of the living God, He gives us great power. If you belong to God, you have great power. The power to experience the reality of God. And experiencing the reality of God means experiencing God's. Action as you pray. 2 Timothy, verse 3, f- verses 5 to 7, Timothy warns against, in the later days, Timothy warns, uh, I'm sorry, Paul warns Timothy about the type of Christian that will appear in the last days. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, Paul says, in the last days, Timothy, there will be Christians who will have a form of godliness, but denying the power, of, but denying its power. He's saying, in the last days there will appear people who claim to believe, but their faith is powerless. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of Of power. If you belong to God, it means what it means to be a Christian, according to Ephesians chapter 1. If you are a Christian, you belong to an intimate space where the living God is active and real. Do you understand? He did not save you to give you a new form of religion. He saved you so that you. He plucked you out of humanity, and out of the unbelieving humanity, he plucked you out, and he put you into a sphere of reality where he is alive and active. You are when you are living with the living God. How can you not experience his power? Did God save us so that our lives will still be meh? Did he? Did Christ died for us and was raised for us so that our spiritual lives would be meh? No. Power, people. Power. Look, one of my favorite friends, favorite friends, one of my favorite people in the world, besides y'all, right? I, I love her. And one of, my, one of my closest friends, right? She belonged to a church in Korea where, where it was a mega church, right? It was a mega church. 10,000 people, right? And in the front of that church, there was this demon-possessed guy. A lot of demon-possessed dudes in Korea, by the way. There are a lot of cults and demon-possessed dudes in Korea. Anyway, one of the demon-possessed dudes was, like, like, you know, mocking the people who are going to the church, right? So he got so rowdy that the senior pastor came to that guy and said, Hey, fella, rather than mocking us, why don't you come join our service? Right? And the demon-possessed guy said, Okay. Right? I agree. Rather than mocking you, I will attend your service. So he attended the service. And after the service, the pastor asked him, So what did you think? And the demon-possessed guy said, He He says, I feel no power in your church. All I feel is deadness in your church, pastor. Why did the demon-possessed guy laugh at that church? Because that church was powerless. Why was that church powerless? Because that church was prayerless. The Christians in that church... Were prayerless. What would the demons say when they look at your faith? Would they find a faith of great power, or will they experience a faith that is dead? You know, something happens when we pray. I want you to know something really does happen when you pray. I was waiting to share this with you, but I will do it anyway because I love you. Yesterday when I was praying, right? Yesterday I was praying at night. And I don't know, for some reason, I pray with my eyes open, right? My entire room, my basement of my room turned red. It was weird. I was praying... And my basement of my room turned red. I have no idea why it turned red. Deshawn Stark in me says, there must be a scientific explanation. Right? I was looking for anything that would have caused the red light in the basement of my room. There was none. I had nothing that is red down there. It was red. I have no idea why it was. I have no idea. Right? The night before, like my wife had a bad dream and she thought that was a demon attacking. So for two hours she wrestled in prayer against the demon. Maybe there's something funky going on in my house, man. I don't know. But I wanna say that prayer is not something that is dead. There's something that happens. There's something that is dynamically powerful when the people of God pray. When the people of God pray, God works. And that's what verses 16 and 17 says, right? Verses 16, 16 it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The word "power" here means able to accomplish much. When Paul says, when when is it? Paul? When James says, "The prayer of a righteous person is powerful." He means the prayer of a righteous person gets things done. Things happen when the righteous person prays. And the example that he gives us is Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man like us. And I think the reason James says it is that he's saying, Elijah was a man that has the same nature, was no different from all of us. But he prayed. And after he prayed, it stopped raining on the earth for three and a half years. James, a regular dude, prayed. Prayed. And it stopped raining for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and it started raining again. Through Elijah's prayer, God acted in the land. And James's point, James's example is prayer is not wishful, giving God a wish list of things that may or may not happen. No, 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 no. Prayer is an agent, a source of great power where God does things when his people pray. A couple of caveats, a couple of qualifiers. Number one, Elijah was a man like us. Elijah did not have the ability to manipulate nature. He didn't. The reason why James is saying Elijah was like us is because to emphasize, Elijah was a human being and as a human being, he has no power to manipulate nature. He doesn't. Elijah's prayer doesn't have a power to manipulate nature. Elijah is not the great airbender. Who's the great airbender? Naruto? Right? Those of you... Elijah's not Naruto. He cannot bend water or air. He cannot do it then how was, Elijah able, how was Elijah's prayer able to let it stop raining? The secret of answer prayer is this. Elijah was so intimate with God. Elijah was so intimate with the Spirit of God. Elijah could discern what the Lord will do. Elijah was so close with God Elijah had had knew the mind of God. And Elijah knew it was God's will for it to stop raining for three years. That's why his prayer was consistent with God's will. Because Elijah's prayer was consistent with God's, God's will, God used Elijah's prayer to stop raining. Do you understand? Elijah just didn't say. Let's pray that it stopped raining and it stopped raining. It didn't work. It doesn't work like that. Elijah's intimate walk with the Lord made him understand it was the Lord's will for it to stop raining. And his prayers lined up with the will of the Lord. That is why God used Elijah's prayer to make it stop raining. That's why James is saying the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who is the righteous person? The righteous person is a person who is in the right relationship with God. We are in the right relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ. By purchasing us for God on the cross... But becoming our sins on the cross and dying for our sins, by purchasing us for God, we belong to God. That is why we become righteous. We're in the right position with God because of Jesus Christ. And those who are in the right relationship with God can intimately walk with God. The righteous person is not only a person, I'm sorry, the righteous person is a person who is in the right standing with God. And because the person is in right standing with God, the person can walk intimately with God. And as you walk intimately with God, you begin to discern His will. And your prayers match His will. And when your prayer matches His will, you will start to see your prayers coming true. If you're a righteous person, a person who is in right standing with God through Christ, a person who walks intimately with Christ, a person who lives with Christ, you will see God answering your prayers. Why is it not what, the question is why, why haven't I experienced the power of God through my prayers the answer could be one maybe you're not righteous maybe you really don't know Jesus Christ or two maybe you're too busy to walk with him guys in my crazy schedule In my insane crazy schedule I need to carve out hour a day for him and it's not because I'm a good guy it's not because I'm a great guy it's because I know I'm a needy guy I know from the core of my being that I must walk with him To experience His power, and I need His power to do everything in my life because by myself I cannot do anything. I don't trust my knowledge, I don't trust my perception, I don't trust my consultation, I don't trust anything about myself. Some would say I have a very low self esteem. Maybe that's true, but I know I'm limited. But when I when a limited man prays with God, I see things. I see power in my life. You must live that way, James says. That's how you're supposed to live, James says. You must pray. You must walk with him. James' verses 13 to 17 is all about prayer. James says, if you're a Christian, you need to pray in all occasions. That's what verse 13 is about. Let's go verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. It seems like a very easy verse, very simple verse If you're suffering, you should pray Let's actually think about Let's actually kind of take time to actually study what this verse really means Suffering Is the real part Of the human experience My mom called me yesterday at 5pm It was like 7 o'clock in Korea time or something like that And she was sharing with me all her sufferings And the sufferings of her friends And it was very heavy for me She was sharing the sufferings of my family members, her friends It was very, their suffering The people that I love and know, it's real And these people that are suffering, y'all, are the people who made it, are the people with children who went to Ivy League schools, who are rich, who are in the arts, who are in finance. Their children are super successful, and these people in their heyday were super wealthy. These were the one percenters of Korea. Now they're suffering. You cannot shield your life from suffering. No matter where where your children end up in college, no matter what, what your children do for a living, you cannot shield suffering from their lives and from yours because life is suffering. Why is life suffering? Because we live in a shattered world. The world is shattered. That's why Christ came to restore it. And is in the process of restoring it. But in the process of his restoration, we still live in a shattered world. And as we live in a shattered world, suffering is an intricate part of our lives. Let's be real. Human beings, as great as they are, let's be honest, like I always said, they're supposed to make you suffer. They really are. They cannot help but to make you suffer. They can't. As hard as we try, other human beings, especially the people that are closest to you, cannot help but to, but to, make, to make you suffer. I found, I found, look, like I, a couple of nights on Friday, both small groups that I go to, they were on breaks. Okay, I said, what do I do? Let's serve my wife. What does my wife do? She wants to go, she wants to go see West Side Story. okay gangsters dancing all right great right let's go right and but the night before i was taking new eye medication and i couldn't sleep and friday even though it's supposed to be an easy day people just pounded me with questions every day and i had a huge headache and my wife goes do you still want to go to the movies What's the correct answer, y'all? The answer is what? Yes, of course. So I go to see West Side Story. So much dancing. (laughs) So much, right? I was watching the movie and I just wish Batman would come and just take care of all these punks, right? I go, oh man, I wish Batman would be here, right? I go, oh man. But like she was, my wife was asking asking me questions and all that stuff. And I wasn't very pleasant for one moment of time. In the evening, my wife was a little bit upset because I kind of got testy a little bit at the end. Look, as hard as I tried, as hard as I tried to be a good husband, I couldn't help but to hurt her. Human beings are fallen. We live in a system that is fallen. We live in an unjust system that's made by unjust men. Of course systems of men are going to be messed up. We live in, 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 in a nature that is unfair, it seems like, and very, it's just a suffering world. How are we supposed to live in a world that is full of suffering? James says, pray. For us, the natural inclination when we suffer is what? I'm out of here. I'm suffering. I'm out of here. This person hurts me. I'm canceling that person. This job is hard. Let me look for a new job. Look, I'm a pro. I hope my boss is not listening. I'm a pro. And whenever the job gets hard, I'm a pro on shooting my resume out in the stratosphere to get out of it. If I suffer, I wanna I wanna leave. Let's be honest. And there's some of us listening to the sermon who shares my sentiment, right? That person? That person agrees with me. Right? Little bit a oh, little bit unfair treatment. I'm out, adios. Our natural inclination when we suffer is to flee. Whether it is marriage, whether it is job, whether it is something, I suffer, I'm out. There are times in the Bible where clearly Jesus says, flee. Where persecution comes, flee, Jesus says. But more often times than not, The solution to when you suffer, James is saying, is to pray. When you suffer, you pray. You don't leave difficult marriages. You don't leave difficult jobs. You don't leave difficult churches. You don't leave. You pray. Who is suffering? You pray. When you pray, three things can happen. Like I said before, either God changes the circumstance, either God changes circumstances, or whether God changes the person that you're praying for, or most importantly, God changes you. I think the number one reason God is letting you go through suffering is to change you. He takes things out of your life. He purposely puts stresses in your life. So that through it all you will see who he is more clearly. That's Paul's example. He had a thorn in his flesh for three years. He says, I want God to take it away. God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul had to live with a thorn for the rest of his life. There are thorns in your life that God doesn't remove. People think People with shallow theology think God is in it to make you happy. God's purpose, maybe, is to make you happy, but primarily your happiness comes as you discover more about Him and as you are transformed into His image. That's where happiness comes. And you can only experience that as you pray through your suffering and not by leaving. Do you understand? maybe you're in a bad marriage maybe your marriage will not improve for decades solution is not to cut your ties but pray for the rest of your life that is if it's needed to go and pray look I was thinking about parents of down syndrome kids Parents with Down syndrome, their children, their kids will never be fully normal in the eyes of society, right? The calling of those parents is to pray for their children as long as their children live. Maybe it can be decades, but some people are called to pray for their family members for decades. That's the call. If you're suffering, James says, pray. So that the power of God can either change the circumstances, or change the person, or to change you, pray. Do you want to leave your job? Do you want to quit your job? Do you want to quit this church? Are there greener pastures? Are there greener pastures out there? Pray, James says. Verse 14, is anyone among, continue, verse 13, is anyone cheerful? Let him, sing, let him sing praise. Life is not all about suffering. I'm not an emo kid wearing dark and wearing mascara. I'm not an emo kid with long hair, right? I'm not Toby McGuire in Spider-Man 3. That's for Sean Stark, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Sean Stark's like that. Christianity is not all dark. If you're a Christian, you'll also experience the beauty and the grace and the power and the generosity of God in your life. You really do. You really do. Right? You really do. God does things and you just experience his great favor and beauty in your life. Trust me, in God, you experience such great joy. James says, when you experience such great joy, sing praises to God. God. Recognize the fact that those joys come from the Lord. Look, I'm going to Disney in a couple of weeks, right? Right? I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to Rise of the Resistance and my heart will be filled with such joy as I experience that Star Wars adventure. I promise you I will. In such instances, praise God for everything that allowed me to move so I can attend that event. whether it is great deliverance of work, whether it is your children being healthy and doing well, whether it is our church thriving, whatever it is, every joy, God provides you with joy. When God does, sing praises to him. That's what James is saying. In our prayer meetings, in our prayer meetings and in our small groups this week, let's have a homework, right? In our small group prayer meetings, let's not just talk about what, what, what problems that we have. Let's also share the joy that God has given us. Let's share what joy God has given us. And let's praise him for the the deliverances and the the providence and 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 the answer prayers that we are experiencing. Let us praise God for those things. That's also legitimate form of prayer. When you suffer, you pray. When you experience great deliverances, you pray. You praise God. Individually, pray. Not only do you pray as individuals, which is what verse 13 is about, you also pray within community. Verses 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 is about prayer within a community. The call of the Christian is not only to pray for yourselves, but to pray. Call of the Christian is you pray for each other as well. And that's what the remaining verses are about. Verse 14 Is anyone among you sick? Then call for the elders and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. James is saying is this if you're sick, and the word sick here means it does doesn't mean physical sickness. It means any type of weakness, whether that is mental weakness, spiritual weakness, interpersonal weakness. Sickness here is a very broad concept. It includes physical sickness, but it also encompasses other weaknesses, spiritual, mental, relational, that you experience in your life. Is any of one of you sick? What are you called to do? Take your sickness. And go to the elders of the church. Elders are the leaders of the church. Good old Pastor Wooden and me. Embrace if you're sick, if you're weak. Don't suffer alone, James says. Take it to the pastors. And the pastor and let the pastors pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. What is that about, oil? Okay, this is a tricky part of the, of the sermon. What is oil? Oil can mean two things, right? Back in James's day, there weren't that many doctors. There weren't many Junes around, right, to give free medical advice, which I'm really hoping that he will give, right? There weren't many doctors around in the area. So oil, specifically olive oil, was used to treat various ailments. Right? If you rub olive oil, it could be used as ointment to treat various ailments. By the way, I did research on olive oil and olive oil is amazing. Right? He has the, like, Rob, and, Rob can tell me wrong, but I read, it, I read it online, so online is always right. Right? Olive oil can prevent certain cancers. Olive oil can treat certain wounds. Olive oil has this amazing healing capacity. So back in James's day, people who are sick usually rub olive oil on their skins. So first interpretation of verse 14 means if you're sick, especially if you're physically sick, Let the pastor of the church pray over you and let them rub olive oil on you. I mean, I don't think we're going to do that now because medical advances are improved. But basically, he's saying the pastors will pray over you and the pastor will also offer you some medical solutions. That's the first interpretation of this verse. The second interpretation of oil is... Oil signifies the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, when God anoints a king, he pours oil on the king. Oil symbolizes God's presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the second second interpretation of this verse means, if you're sick, come to the elders, and the elders will lay their hand on you, and they will pray for you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Sean Starr, can you explain this during Bible study on Friday? Okay, there we go. Those are two, two, two two interpretations. Number one, you either go to the... But the clear calling is, if you're weak, don't suffer alone. Go to the elders of the church. Go to the leaders of the church. Let them pray over you. That's the main point. If either by offering you medical solutions... Or whether it is through anointing the Holy Spirit as you pray... Whatever it is, Christian, if you suffer, do not suffer alone. The great benefit of being embraced, being an embrace. We are not a mega church and God bless the fact that we're not a mega church. We're a small enough church. If you are sick, whether it is through physically or mentally or spiritually, you have two elders that you can go to and talk to and we can pray for you. Right? You're so blessed. We're so blessed for having two elders that we can pray over each other as when we are sick. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. This is the most difficult verse of the entire Book of James, what does James, well, verse fifteen? It seems to say, the elder. When you're sick, go to the elder, and when the elder prays in faith, when the elder prays in faith, then that faith will automatically heal the person that is sick. You understand? Verse fifteen seems to suggest. You're sick, go to the elder, and if the elder prayers and prays in faith, then the person who is sick will be automatically healed. What does James mean by the prayer of faith? I did two weeks of research on this, and I have no idea. But what it, what it seems to suggest is the prayer of faith means a very specific prayer that the elders offer to the, on behalf of the sick person. The prayer which expresses trusting God and flows out of a commitment to Him is a very specific prayer that, as the elders who are conscious of God, when they pray for that person, there are certain times where the elder is like, is reassured that God will heal that person. Prayer of faith is a very specific prayer. When the elder goes pray for a specific person, God gives us assurance that God will heal that person. And when the elder offers that type of prayer to that person, that person will be healed. Not everyone has a prayer of faith, right? Right? It's a very specific prayer limited to, to very specific instances of God's grace. But there are seasons of prayer where God does answer, God uses the prayers of the elder to heal people. One of, my, one of those prayer meetings that I led a long time ago, not here in my other church, we were having a prayer meeting. And after the prayer meeting, the guy said, before I came to the prayer meeting, I had, I had it ringing in my ears and I couldn't get rid of it. After the prayer meeting, the ringing was gone. I go, hallelujah, God pre- God healed him. So I believe in the power of healing, but that's not all the time. If you're sick, if you come to me, I cannot heal you every time through my prayers, right? So the prayer of faith is a very specific prayer for a very specific time. It is prayer that you pray when you know that God will heal that person. Everyone clear? But the principle of verses 14 and 15 is this, once again. If you're part of a community, there are two calls. The call of the congregation is that if you're sick, The call of the congregation is not to suffer alone. The great benefit of being in a church is that you don't have to suffer alone. Whether your suffering is physical ailments, or whether your suffering is mental ailments, or whether your suffering is financial ailments, whatever your suffering is, you don't have to suffer alone. You share the burden with the pastors of the church. And we will pray for you. I think if we hold our suffering in and not share it, it makes it worse. There is a freedom that comes when you share your burdens to another brother or sister, specifically your pastors. And as the pastors pray for you, maybe we need to pray for you multiple times. But there is a healing that comes as you share your burdens as we pray for you. Please do not hold on to your sufferings alone. PJ may be busy. But we have a full-time pastor on standby to pray for you. I will make it the highest priority to pray for you. I will make it my highest priority to cut. Even if it means me not sleeping, I will go to you and I will pray for you. I'm really good at not sleeping. I'm a pro at it. But please do not suffer alone. Please come to us so that, we can share, so that we can share our burdens together. Second part lesson of these verses is the calling of the pastor. The calling of the pastor is two things. The pastor is called to do two things. The pastor is called to preach the word of God to you. And the second calling is the pastor is called to pray for you that's it the pastor not I'm not here to dictate every point of your life I'm here to preach the word of God as faithfully as I can for you and to pray for you John MacArthur I was reading John MacArthur's article on this verse and he says it's strange that a lot of pastors think one of their chief jobs is to counsel people But in the Bible, there is no calling for the pastor to counsel people. Yes, it is love to listen to their problems, listen to their cries. But a pastor isn't primarily a counselor. The pastor is a person who prays for people. Who prays for people who do not know how to pray. Or pray for people who cannot pray. Pray for people who are burdened. My job, Pastor Udin's job, what you are paying us for, to put it crassly, is to pray for you. I have no power. I have no knowledge. I can offer you nothing on my own strength. There's nothing that I can offer you. The only thing that I can offer you It's the faithful preparation and the preaching of God's word and my prayer for you. God has called me and Pastor Uden to do this because he loves you, because he does not want you to suffer alone. Please, do not suffer alone. Come talk to us. So that we will pray for you. Do you understand? That's the message in verses 14 and 15. Verse 16. The calling is not only for pastors to pray for you. The calling is also for specifically to pray for one another. Christian. If you belong to God. The Holy Spirit prays on your behalf. Jesus, right now, is praying for you. Praying for his people is one of the chief chief jobs of the Holy Spirit and Christ himself. And as such, the chief calling of every Christian is to pray for one another. Confess your sins to each other, James says. One of the things that are making us not well is sin. It is. One of the things that makes us church not healthy is the sin. And when James talks about sin, he talks about two two different types of sin. Number one, the sin that we commit against one another. The sin that we commit, the attitude and the unforgiveness that we have towards one another. That's the first sin. And the second sin is the immoral sin that we commit as individuals. So whether it is sin that you're committing against the body by hating someone in the church, or it is, or it is your immorality that you, you commit privately, the calling is, in order for you to get better, confess your sins to each other. He's not saying publicly, I don't think but in a small group or individual setting, confess your sins. One of the small groups I have a fond memory of is Arlington Group 1.0, right? Arlington Group 1.0, when Sean and Ron, Ricky and Cynthia, Phil and Olivia, right? So that that group, I come to dinner, and while we're eating dinner, people just like start sharing their sins to one another. I go, whoa. They were brutally honest with one another. I go, whoa. But it was so healthy. We think it's respectable for us to hide our sins to each other. That's not helping. You share your sins. So that we can pray for you. So that we can intercede for you so that you will get better. Christian, that is your calling. The calling to pray for you is not just my my job or Pastor Eugene's job. The calling is every single one of you here. That's the calling. That's why the Bible does not know of a reality where church members do not get involved in the lives of other church members. That's why I will say it here. If you're a member of a mega church, and when you just come into church and just participate in worship and leaving and not get involved in the lives of the, lives of the church, that's not a biblical view of church. You do life together. But sharing each other's burdens in your short life here, that's what God has called you to do yeah careers are good dive is great yeah 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 whatever right dive is great right being a lawyer is great being an engineer is great being you know all that thing is great and happy and proper and good but the kingdom work is to pray for the people of this church do you understand as we do Our church will become healthy. You will become healthy. And you will experience the more visible manifestation of the power of God in your life. That's how it works. Do you understand? Let's pray.